I'm DeWitt Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment, no illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show that discusses all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen, of your constitutional rights, to provide educational and occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. As we come to the second to last week of the 2002 spring semester, it has been my pleasure to feature my Heartland Criminal Justice students, giving emerging adults a voice. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to some and present to others. Another one of my fabulous students, the inspired and insightful Miss Melissa McLean. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Melissa. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. I am excited to have you on the show today. Before we get into segment one, I actually have been saying to everybody that has been a part of the podcast thus far, how has class been going? But we're at the end now. And so I will ask you, has class or has this class been okay for you? Has it been easy for you to navigate? Have you had any problems or anything? Uh, yeah, class has gone really well for me. Uh, it's been very easy for me to navigate. And I feel like uh, I've learned a lot of information and um, I've really enjoyed it thus far, which is almost over. So I guess I enjoyed it in general. Excellent. You have made the transition from high school to college. Are you a freshman or sophomore? I'm actually almost done. So I only have uh, summer and fall semester, and then I'll be transferring to ISU. Awesome. Okay. So you can provide some good advice. What is one thing that you would advise high school students that are about to make the transition from high school to college? I would say that the thing I would recommend the most is to get all of your hardest classes out of the way in the beginning when you are the most used to being in the uh, routine of going to school. And so then in your final semesters, you can do the majority of your electives, the things that you want to do and the things that you enjoy. Awesome. And I think I heard you say earlier that you have learned a lot about the criminal justice system. Yes. All right. Because that's the main thing. My belief is for student development, you need to do three things. One, teach them as much as you possibly can about the criminal justice system, along with the essential competencies, problem solving, communication, social and ethic responsibility, critical thinking, diversity and technology skills Two, give them an opportunity through applied learning to grow even more. And finally, 
make sure students have the opportunity to reflect. My students, and I'm saying this to you as well, know no matter if I had them a year ago or 25 years ago, they can always reach out to me. They could call me, email me, ask to have a Zoom call, whatever, to communicate with me, to reflect on anything or to ask me advice about anything. So I want to definitely extend that to you, Melissa. Okay, this is the end of the 15th week, and you've had 11 homework assignments, three tests, and you have one more next week. That's the final, the very last exam. Segment one. Segment one is for the educational and occupational guidance of high school and college students. We accomplished this by having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would, Melissa, tell the audience where you were born and raised, what high school you attended, your major or planned major, and give us one career goal. Okay. Well, I was born right here in Bloomington Normal, and I attended Normal Community West High School. My major is actually social work, um, but I am taking criminal justice classes because I would like to use that in the correction setting. Um, And so my career goal is to actually work in juvenile justice, but as a social worker. Awesome. So if you don't mind me asking, who who was your uh, or did you take sociology at Heartland? I did. And who was your teacher? Okay, I took it online. So. Oh, you took it online? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm taking the majority of my classes online because I'm like a non-traditional student. I'm 38, so... Um, really? Yes. Dang, you look... You. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll actually be 39 on Tuesday. So um, I've done the majority of my classes online. I've actually only taken maybe two classes in person this whole time. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Very good, Melissa. All right. Segment two, constitutional rights. The theme of our course textbook is individual rights versus public safety. We sometimes are required to give up our individual rights for the safety of the American people, i.e. 9-11 and the insurrection, where the courts are ordering insurrectionists to turn over their emails and phone records. We all have individual rights that the system must respect. That said, what is your favorite constitutional right? Uh, My favorite constitutional right is the Sixth Amendment. And in that uh, specifically, I really like that you have the right to face your accuser. I think that that protects you from someone being able to make accusations against you and not have to stand up and um, state those in front of your face and in front of the court. Awesome, Melissa. You are on the one, sister. I love it. I love it. All right. So before we move on to segment three, your most recent assignment focused on juvenile justice. You've learned about Parents Patriot, which deals with the king's authority. And our audience should know that if we have never mentioned this on the podcast before, the American criminal justice system has evolved from British tradition and the English common law system. And so you can definitely see the influence of the British on our system when you look at the juvenile system in particular. Uh, Kent versus the United States, which deals with transferring juveniles to adult court. Enray Galt, which deals with the due process for juveniles. McIver versus Pennsylvania, which says juveniles do not have a right to a jury trial. I want to ask you uh, your opinion about what you think it would be like if we allowed juveniles to actually serve as jurors in juvenile court. 
but we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. Breed versus Jones, double jeopardy. And then Shaw versus Martin, immediate and urgent necessity. What I want our audience to know is juveniles who are processed through the juvenile system have no right to a jury trial, no bond rights, but they do have due process rights right against double jeopardy and must have a ruling in juvenile court before they are transferred to adult court. My question to you, Melissa, is what do you think about 13, 14, 15, 16, or even 17-year-olds being tried as adults? Um, Well, I don't know if it's popular or unpopular opinion, but um, I think that that is a very tricky situation. I think that there's been lots of studies that show that the brain activity of of children that age is not the same as the brain activity of an adult, especially when it comes to making decisions. And I think that even you and me would say, I would not like to be held accountable for everything that I did when I was 13 and 14 years old. And I think it's just a shame to throw someone's life away for a mistake that they made when they were 13. And just to say, you know what, you're not worth it as a person for something that they did when they were a young child. Awesome. Melissa. I actually concluded my career as a probation officer. I retired two weeks ago. And congratulations. Why, thank you. And I actually worked in a unit called the Emerging Adult Unit. It is one of the few units of its kind in the country whereby you have, they are adult offenders, but the age range is 18 to 25. We created that unit for the exact reason that you are pointing out. The research shows that adolescents aren't fully developed in their mind until the age of 25. And so I think the criminal justice system eventually is going to take note of that and implement programs along those lines really soon. Yeah, I think that there are steps being made even right here in our state with the SB 2129 bill being passed. And there's going to be, you know, a lot of resentencing starting to happen here in our state, which I fully support, you know, because they're going to start taking a look at a lot of these cases of these people that were sentenced as young juveniles. And they're going to start resentencing them to more fair, I believe, sentences. Awesome, uh, Melissa. So. Back to one of the points that I was making earlier about juveniles actually having jury trials. I know on a on a how how should I state it on a informal basis from a diversion standpoint, there are instances where juveniles or adolescents have been allowed to participate in the juvenile justice system and to informally hand down punishments for their peers. But what's your thoughts on the possibility? Wouldn't that be something to have juveniles? Yeah, I think that 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 would be a mess because I think that (laughs) if we're going to claim that juveniles don't have the mental capacity to be sentenced, you know, the way that we're saying, then I don't think that they necessarily have the mental capacity to hand down those decisions as well. Awesome, Melissa. Shaw versus Martin the case that deals with immediate and urgent necessity is a situation where juveniles aren't allowed to bond themselves out. And there you see that parents PTA implementation in those situations, the court actually has to determine 
if there's an immediate and urgent necessity that the young person is a threat to themselves or to the community to determine whether or not they should be released from detention. I should let the audience know that when a young person is locked up in the juvenile system, they don't bond out. They can't, no one can bring cash or put up property for them to be released from detention. The, the judge, he or she actually makes that determination based on whether or not there's immediate and urgent necessity that the person is, the young person is a threat to the community or to themselves. And that is how he or she determines whether or not they're going to remain in detention or be released to their parent. And so what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that that the juvenile justice system has gotten that right, Melissa? Do you think that needs to be changed or you think that's okay? No, I actually, in this case, I do actually think that that is the right decision because I think not, I think that they use that in a lot of ways as a way to make sure that the environment that the juvenile is going back into is a safe one for them and the proper one for them to be in. So they use it as a way to investigate the situation that this juvenile is going back into and making sure that it's one that is cohesive with this juvenile um being on the straight and narrow and that the parent or the guardian is going to cooperate with um, whatever sort of supervision that the juvenile needs to be under. Excellent. Excellent. Let's spend a couple of minutes talking about the lower age limit of juvenile prosecution. I just want to get your opinion on that. The audience should know that in the state of Illinois, there is no lower age limit. In other words, Mm -hmm. Uh, a minor can be charged no matter what their age is. And I noted that about a week or two ago that there was an eight-year-old who was detained by the police, cuffed because he had, I believe, stolen a bag of chips. What's your thoughts on lower age limit, whether or not you think that juvenile under the age of 10 should be detained in juvenile detention. In the state of Illinois, you have to be at least 10 years of age to be detained in in a juvenile detention facility, which is like a jail-like facility. And you have right. to be at least 13 to go to a prison facility. Right. Uh, and so just wanted to get your thoughts on, should there be a lower age limit? Because in this case, I'm just wondering, this is an eight-year-old kid. Yeah. And if he's still in the bag of chips, I have to wonder if he actually well, was hungry. Going to then, what is he? What behaviors is he then going to learn from the older kids in this juvenile facility? So I, I agree. Yes, that there should definitely be um, a lower age, a lower age limit, and a different way of dealing with those kind of quote unquote offenders, if you want to call them that. But to me, an eight year old who's stealing a bag of chips does not an offender make, in my opinion. That's a kid that's having a behavior problem. And I think that there's ever other avenues available to deal with those kind of issues than to enter him into the criminal justice system where he's now going to be exposed to other children who have way more severe problems than him. And now he or she is going to learn way more things that he can do well, you know, that they can do wrong. Awesome. And so I think you would, would agree that the eight year old shouldn't have been put on Absolutely the ground. Not. <laughs> Absolutely not. That That is not the way that I think something like that should be handled. Also. All right. Segment three, being a voice for change as an emerging adult, 
being educated in a predominantly white America, what say Melissa about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? Well, I would say that uh, fortunately for me, um, I actually went to a school where I was the minority being uh, a white person. I went to a private school where I was the minority. So I had a very diverse upbringing. So to me, I am very behind the Black Lives Matter movement. And what I say is it's about time. Um, I think that it has brought a lot of issues to the forefront that have been ignored for a very long time. And it's now being noticed that this has been going on for a lot longer than anyone else would like to admit. And white supremacy is real and it's been around for a long time and it's affected a lot more things than I think a lot of people would like to own up to. Awesome, Melissa. I asked all my guests, what would you like to see the Biden administration accomplish? I mean, as a college student, student loan forgiveness is number one on my list. Like, come on, Joe, let's do that. (laughs) There's no reason for it. It's a scam. He knows it. I know it. You know it. So let's get together and make that happen. That's awesome. All right. Voter suppression. Is there a correlation between voting and the criminal justice system? And what I mean by that is it's possible that the criminal justice system could be impacted and things could be changed for the better? Well, I I think it's very important for us to always uh, exercise our right to vote. I do think that the way that the Electoral College is set up is definitely stacked against people of color and people, you know, of lower economic statuses, depending on where you live at in this country. So I would never advise anyone not to vote because that's your right and we should always exercise it. But I do think that the way that the votes are counted needs to change because we've been doing it the same way for how many years and it's a new you know it's 2022 i think it's time to me that we maybe reevaluate the way that that goes so that everyone's voice is heard equally all right very good melissa you've done an outstanding job so there you have it ladies and gentlemen a heartland community college student at the front end of her college career important constitutional rights and an emerging adult voice on how to make America great. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and Godspeed.